What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Life's a Garden. Today's guest is the owner and operator of Iconoclast Home Studios, which is where my band Cutthroat recorded our debut record, Palomar. He has also recorded several other local bands and artists, in addition to being a talented musician himself. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Jesse Vinoy. Cheers, brother. Cheers, man. Life's a garden, dig it. You make Thanks it work. Invite. Hell yeah. Any excuse to come over and talk about cool stuff and drink beer. Hell oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, man. Well, speaking of cool stuff, you just got back from Europe. Yeah, and speaking of cheers, that's very popular over there. Oh, yeah. Big yeah. time. So t- let's let's hear the whole story. <laughs> We're all, you, you went all over the place, kind of, right? Uh, we went to Amsterdam, Antwerp, Belgium. Amsterdam's in the Netherlands, Antwerp, Belgium, and then we went to London like the last couple of days that we were there. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So it was it was a it was like my uncle lives in Antwerp. Oh, cool. So that's kind of where we spent five days, like uh, without having to pay for a hotel. So that, God, that's nice. We just stayed in his uh, flat that he has, and um, Antwerp, Belgium. I've been there twice, and I just so laid back and chill and everything's just so old and historic there and they really pride themselves on like being uh belgiums in general they pride themselves on being like super efficient Mm. so like the recycling there is like on point like everything gets recycled or composted and like the way that they conserve energy and like their water systems and they kind of like half the museum that i went to in antwerp was about Antwerp like just about how efficient they are and like it got weird to like one of them was like we need to start being smaller in size humans need to shrink that way we can conserve more energy they're thinking about it in that terms like (laughs) they're just gonna start genetically modifying humans to be smaller they're like we got this figured out we just need smaller people all these systems work for children it's wild (laughs) yeah I really like it like just the way they think over there yeah it's really forward I know Belgium, like, I've heard a lot of cool stuff about Belgium. Yeah. It's very tech-heavy, most of the, a lot of tech companies over there and stuff. That's what my uncle did over there for a long time. And Belgium's right by Germany, right? Uh, it's, gosh, I'm kind of oh like. Oh, man, now you're going to make me do geography. Yeah, man, geography's all messed gonna, up. Yeah, plead the, what is it? Plead the plead fifth? Plead the fifth on that one. Now, so, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure on this. Is Belgium, I know it's, it's either Belgium or Germany or both. Aren't they notorious for having like wild nightclubs? Yeah, there's clubs over there. Yeah. And they're like pretty wild. Amsterdam is wild. Oh, dude, I can only imagine. Amsterdam's like Las Vegas on crack. It's just the whole country. It's well, there's not like gambling there, but like there's mushrooms and there's weed and there's clubs and everyone's just there to party all the time. Yeah. The people that actually live in Amsterdam are like extremely wealthy because it costs so much to live in Amsterdam. Like, it's ridiculous. Unless you're, like, living in, like, a tiny 120-square-foot little apartment, you know? Yeah. 
or a boat. Like even the boats there that are on the canal are mm. super expensive to get, man. But everyone that even works in Amsterdam comes in from different countries to work there, you know. And everyone just comes to Amsterdam to party. Like, I've been there a couple times, and it's just a party. Yeah. And yeah. Prague's the big city there, right? Prague is actually... Oh, no, that's uh, in... My bad. That's... uh. I've been to Prague, too. But, no, Prague's actually uh, like somewhere else. Netherlands? God, I'm just showing how bad my European yeah. history is. Me too, dude. <laughs> okay, so so you started off in in Belgium, then, right? We actually flew to Amsterdam and spent three days in Amsterdam okay. before we went to Belgium. Gotcha. Yep. Um, was it cheaper to fly there, or or is that just how the the trip was? It's gonna only shake like out? an hour and a half train ride to Antwerp from Amsterdam. Ah, uh, okay. So that's like the biggest international airport close to Antwerp. So okay, that's why we flew into. Right on. And then how many days total? So three days in Amsterdam, five days in Antwerp, and then three days in uh, London. And you flew out of London? We actually came back to Antwerp and then all the way back to Amsterdam to fly out. Okay. We you didn't just really did the... plan good enough to like, we thought about it at the end. We were like, we could, could have just flew out of here from London. <laughs> but yeah, we actually reversed all the way back to Amsterdam. So like what, 12 days in total? It was 14. 14, that's perfect. Like, when I went to Ireland, we were there for eight days. Definitely not enough. I I wish I would have spent at least two or three more days there. Yeah. 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 Two of those days are basically traveling. The first day and the the day you go there and the day you come back. We spent the day we went when we were buying tickets. It's like, well, this one's got a three-hour layover on the way back. Oh, that's awesome. But it's got a seven-hour layover on the way there. And we're like, ah, let's do it. Yeah, you just got to bite the bullet somewhere. And at least it was on the way there. But we spent seven hours, and we, in hindsight, we could have left and did something in Salt Lake City. But we spent seven hours in Salt Lake City Airport on the way there. And, and then you get on the plane, and you fly for nine and a half hours. Yeah. Oh, so, so you went straight day. from Salt Lake to over there? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know they... I mean that's a that's pretty far, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's far. I didn't know I didn't know Salt Lake had like international flights like that. Mm-hmm. Yep, interesting. It's cool because you don't. It's only one stop. It's from here, Salt Lake, and then all the way there. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah. And then from here, from Salt Lake to here, is just a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe an hour and a half, two hours. But yeah, it's it's a long fl- flight, and I've been getting motion sickness lately on them. Really? Yeah. Oh, that rough. sucks. Yeah, I just take a on a drama mean and try to sleep now so i can't I'm, I'm so bad about sleeping on planes but i'm I'm assuming it was one of those jumbo jets like a oh yeah 737 or something like that yeah it was huge yeah and that was the first time i ever flew on one of those and they are nice especially when you got like the tv that you can watch mm-hmm. and yeah i watched like four movies <laughs> yeah on the way there you just start binge watching them yeah yeah i i get motion sickness in like cars if i'm but only if I'm like focusing on something. So if I'm like trying to watch a video or read something on my phone, mm-hmm. and like I, my uh, side view, I, I'm seeing like all the stuff fly by, and that's when I start getting like that motion sickness. Same, yeah. And that's why I can't sit on the window seat of a plane. Yeah, it is cool to look out. They say the window seat helps, but I think I sat on the aisle seat on the way back, and I felt 
tons better. I prefer the aisle seat. Yeah. Plus, you just get like you if you were going to get sick, yeah. you could just easy access Ron. Exactly. Yeah. I think the window thing's not true. It's overplayed. <laughs> I mean, it's cool the first time you're flying just to like watch, but yeah. I get so terrified on takeoff and landing because I feel like that's when you're most likely to mm. have a problem. Right. That's like not correctable. <laughs> yeah, every now and then I get the the plane anxiety about there's always like the the thing in the back of your head it's like man it doesn't happen often but if it were going to flying fast and you're hauling well what what uh airline did you fly uh delta okay i don't know if they because when we flew we had american and it shows you like your speed how far you like it shows you all like the stats of where where you are your status in the sky yeah and it's like 600 miles an hour like what the fuck yeah like that's nuts yeah it's sketchy but they hardly ever crash yeah i mean they say it's the safest way to fly and the bigger the plane the safer it is they say yeah i mean we flew out of a crazy storm in chicago like we were flying through the clouds and the lightning hit and it lit up the entire plane that's sketchy it was so sketchy but i'm like i guess if they wouldn't have flown out if they didn't think they could. Right. They're pretty they're pretty good, man. My thought is always I I would just hope the pilot wants to live because yeah. if if he's concerned about living or dying, like we're all good. Yeah, that's like the one plane that disappeared. Oh okay. yeah. There's a documentary on Netflix about it. But I guess the pilot just like wanted to, you know, end his life, so he flew the plane out as far as he could into the ocean like and then just disappeared. That's that's uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I think I heard about that too because the co-pilot got locked out of the cabin. Yeah, something crazy went down for <sighs> sure because he turned off all the beacons and stuff. Like they couldn't figure out where he turned around at, and then they kind of triangulated from radar, like on the ground, where they had unmarked planes flying through, and kind of predicted the flight path. God, that's that is sketchy as hell. To think about the fact that, like, yeah, you're really just putting your life in some other dude. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to hope he's not, that he's mentally well. Yeah. Most of them are. So what all did you do over in, uh, in your, like, what were some of the sites you saw? What were some of, like, the coolest highlight moments? I always, like, we took a tour through the canals in Amsterdam, and I always liked doing that. Just so cool. Some of those boats haven't moved in, like, 90, 100 years, and they've just been sitting there forever. Damn. People are living on them and stuff, and. Just see so much of the city by doing that too, and then we did a ton of walking the first day in Amsterdam. Man, we walked like all the way through downtown. I think I clocked like eleven miles or something on my watch. My legs were just oh man! Like that's the one thing you realize when you go over there and you actually start walking and taking public transportation. Like you don't know how lucky we are here, to where we get in our car and we sit down and we drive to wherever we're going. And we walk in, you know, we don't do any walking at all. Right. So, like, when you're over there and you don't have a car, you're just visiting, like, you do a lot of walking. Oh, yeah. Well, and, like, I don't know if it's, I imagine it's pretty similar as far as just all of Europe, but streets are pretty narrow. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're always, like, is all, are all those countries drive on the left side? No. Okay. No, Antwerp actually drives on the the normal side of the road. London that drives on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was blown away. I actually looked up how many countries drive on the right because I thought we were kind of just one of the few that did. Yeah, yeah. There's like 
almost almost a hundred countries that drive on the right side of the road. Yeah, it was weird going to London because you like when you looked both ways when you crossed the street, you had to realize that they were coming from the other side of the street, and you're yeah. just like not used to that at all. Yeah. But. Yeah, we almost got ran over a few times because we were just, <laughs> and it even says in big spray paint. Oh yeah, look have, to look, look left. left. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm sure they've had plenty of tourists that have gotten smoked. Yeah, and then there's like a lot of bicyclists around. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people ride bikes. Amsterdam was is crazy to walk in because there's so many people on like you have to worry about getting hit by bikes. Yeah, yeah, and if you're on the bike path, they get pissed. Oh yeah, <laughs> like get off the bike. Well, I know Italy too has a bunch of those mopeds and. Yeah, they ride mopeds on them too in Amsterdam. Like yeah, it, it's probably under dude. When we took a, we had to take a ferry across from uh, our hotel to get to like Central Station in, in Amsterdam. But uh, in the morning we went and there are people commuting on their bikes mostly, but there were tiny cars too that they would drive up onto the ferry with all all of us just walking and people on bikes. And they were just like in their tiny car on the ferry as we crossed. It was just hilarious. What the hell? Like, wow, what a way to travel. Yeah, but I guess it's normal for them. <laughs> I guess. It just seems so hectic sometimes. It is very hectic, but it's all organized somehow. They do a good job. But yeah, you definitely get your steps in when you're when you're doing that much walking and when there's a lot to see and then half the way you don't notice it and you're all the way far from your hotel and you're like, God, I gotta walk all the way back. Mm-hmm. And though and like you said too. The first day is obviously travel. The second day is basically just getting accustomed to the new time. Oh, yeah. That's a big part of it, yeah. Yeah, it took us a minute to to really get settled into that. <clears throat> yeah, I like going there. Well, actually, I like coming back. Because when we came back, we left at like 10 o'clock their time, and we get back like 6 o'clock our time. So yeah. So then you just go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, it's almost nighttime. But when you go there, it's like we left here at 5 a.m., and when we got there, it was like 10 a.m. So then you just have another day to stay up, and you're just like on two days then. Yeah. And you're just uh, totally jet-lagged. The way back was definitely easier to acclimate to. Yeah. But yeah, getting there, God. It's rough. Well, and then you're like, technically you're meeting the sun on the other side of the earth. Yeah. So it's like, oh, just fall asleep. And go to sleep for eight hours and then wake up. But it's so hard to sleep on a plane. Yep. It's so rough. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've never been good at sleeping on car rides, anything yeah. like that. Some people are. Put on their sleep mask. Oh, yeah, they're out. I'm, they're I envy medicated, those people. though, or on something. I tried to take – I took a couple <laughs> of Benadryls just to, like – because that's all I had. I was just like, let me pop these and let's see. Nah. No. I mean, I zonked out for maybe a couple hours here and there, but nah. Yeah. Not enough to, to make a difference. Because yeah, when we flew out, it was, like, 11 o'clock at night. And mm. when we got there, it was, like – almost noon mm. and so i was like god good morning yeah <laughs> the um what all did you do in london then because you said three days there right yep the first thing we did we went to saint paul's cathedral nice did you go there no no did you go to london no we didn't go to, we, we just stayed in dublin and then in uh we went to galway okay well, saint paul's cathedral is like a giant church like the biggest one i've ever been in or cathedral but yeah, we ended up climbing up the steps all the way up to the top of it, and you can get to like the very top of it, and you just have a sweet view of London. But oh my, when I got to the bottom, my legs were like, oh wow, there's that many steps. There's like warnings on the wall, and like you had to check into this girl before you walked up there because she's like, 
you realize it's all steps and you have to walk the long way and i'm like yeah <laughs> you're good i was like we got this and then my, i took my wife up with me and she was dying and i was dying at the end like, it was like let's just stay up here it was worth it though that's cool sweet deal walked all the way down from there kind of crossed the river um went to the london eye the big ferris wheel yep did that walked to big ben saw the big clock tower went to the royal stables where they have all the horses and from down there you walk down this big main street and you get to uh where the king or queen used to live and the king lives yeah buckingham palace buckingham palace that's what it's called yeah did all that in one day so that was a lot of walking <laughs> did all the tourist stuff yeah got all that so okay here's a question how's the food the food like always seemed to be great wherever we go okay like I think we maybe had one bad experience, but everything's just like it seemed great. And then we went to this place for our anniversary, and it was just unreal. But yeah, we I didn't we didn't really have any problems with the food. Nice. Yeah, it's just like I don't know. Maybe it's just because everything's so new and fresh to you that you're like, oh, this is good. But did you did you have a problem with uh like digesting any of the food? Because I've we did, and I was told. Like Europe has very strict standards on the uh, on their processing of food, hmm. and like some of the stuff that goes into it, like where we have a lot of preservatives and things like that. And so coming from here to there, unless you're already on a pretty decent diet, it's hard to acclimate. Interesting. And you get kind of sick. I didn't get sick. Yeah, yeah, we we didn't get like nauseous, but we had like pretty pretty violent diarrhea. Really? <laughs> yeah. No. For for a good two days. No, we didn't, and I ate crazy stuff while I was over there. Too. Really? Snails and sushi, all sorts of sushi and stuff, because my uncle loves sushi. Yeah. One of his flatmates that he lives with over there is a super good cook, so when we were in Antwerp, he cooked dinner for us every night. Oh, that's cool. And the, for lunches, me and Ashley just kind of went out to bars and cafes and stuff. And... What were some of your favorite bars? Dude, the best bar that we ate at was called Heart of Groin Plots, and it's in Antwerp. And cocktails were just like covered in powdered sugar with like raspberries. Oh and wow! Like mint leaves and oh man, it was a nice place. But uh, yeah, the favorite my favorite food was in, definitely in uh, London. It was called. Uh, my wife would kill me because I don't know the name of it. I'm sure it's probably something tricky. It was definitely something modern. Oh, okay, it was like okay. Like a one-word kind of. Sure. But yeah, that food was great. I had a pork chop with like a roasted peach on it and like some creamy mashed potatoes. Oh, dude, like it was wild. That bomb. Roasted peach tasted like candy. That's crazy. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, no, we we had we always ate good over in there. I, yeah. I want to travel more in Europe because that seems like the way to do it. Like, check out a few places, spend mm-hmm. a few days in a couple of different places. Yeah. We just had only eight days, so I was like, you know, let's spend all this time just chilling in Ireland. and it's That's a good thing, though. Because I, I thought about doing an Irish, Scotland, and UK, mm-hmm. or, well, just all the UK, I guess. London and yeah, that area would have been pretty cool. It's good to leave time to, like, relax, though, and kind of get into a routine. Yeah. So always running from because I've done that too where you're just like constantly going to a city every day. Well, and, yeah, and then having to pack up your 
bags and go to the next hotel and check in and do all that. It gets a little exhausting. But it's but. it's a good. I mean, if you're gonna spend the money to go there, mm-hmm. you might as well see, see as, as much, much as, as you can. can. Yeah. yeah. But sure. th- I guess there's two two schools of thought when it comes to all that, and I'm sure they're both equally. They pay off the same. Absolutely. And so you said you've been there before, though. You've been there a few times. Yep, twice. Or yeah, this would be my third time. Nice. My uncle actually took me because he's lived over there for almost twenty years now. Took me right when I graduated in 2013 with my grandpa. And that was one of those vacations where we just went every day. But he took me all over the place to Germany and Poland and I went to Auschwitz and saw all that stuff and went to Austria and to Denmark, all, all sorts of places. And then in 2015, I went again with my dad. And yeah. This year, 2023, it's been almost 10 years since I've been there. So Wow. So I'm sure that was like a nice little fresh, yeah. like, this time around. Because mm-hmm. yeah. 10 years, that's a long time. It was a long time. Yeah. Too long. I definitely want to go back as much as possible. <laughs> it's crazy how, like, condensed Europe is when you really think about it. Like, oh, yeah. I'd be curious how many European countries you could fit just in the state of Montana. Right. Because... There's so much land here. Oh, I know. I mean, going from one side of Ireland to the next, it only took like maybe an hour and a half, mm-hmm. maybe two hours. That's like from here to Bozeman. Right. That's nothing from what from our standards. So it's like, I, I wonder if you just like the distance management, because you could you could see probably six countries in a day if you really wanted to. For sure. Yeah. And then we took high speed trains twice when we were over there. Those things are great. That's the way to do it. They're so smooth. Yeah. You get sick on those. And then you're going like 250 miles an hour. The bullet trains. Yeah. Pretty sweet. We need to get some of those here. <laughs> That's what I was thinking when I was driving to White Sulphur this weekend, just going through the endless hills and mountains. I'm just like, high speed train would be sweet in Montana. Hell yeah. Probably make a fast one too because it's so flat and open. Just You don't have to worry about going through cities and train stations. Well, hell, just... If it if there's a mountain, go right through it. Yeah, you'd be hauling. Yeah, that'd be wild. Get to Missoula in like an hour and a half instead of four. What a dream! <laughs> and not have to drive. Yeah. And it even works well in the winter. That'd be where it's at. Like the winter stuff, I can't stand driving in the winter. Yeah. Especially through like the passes and things it's like that. Treacherous in Montana. So, other than that, any other experiences from uh from the trip that are notable? Notable. Any wild experiences? Anything like <laughs> nothing really crazy happened? No, it was well, that's pretty good. Mellow. Yeah, it was pretty mellow. That's good. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Nice. Well, hey, I'll tell you what. You earned a nice vacation because you've been a busy fellow this like past summer. I know, right? Yeah, it's been a hectic, hectic year. And it was nice to take a little bit of a break. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, it's. I, I feel like the winters are always the busiest for bands wanting to record music it makes sense because that's stop touring well and that's when the shows kind of slow down not a lot of people want to go out and Mm -hmm. it sucks hauling equipment in the snow absolutely yeah that's what i mean we kind of that's what our original plan was to record in the winter Mm -hmm. but then holidays and things like that got in the way and we're just like you know what let's do it i I thought march is that when we did it was like march or april Mm -hmm. yeah 
I thought that was a pretty good time. Yeah. It worked out pretty decent. Yeah, you had how many how many bands recorded with you that released records this year? Um Trying to find choice. You guys. Um Mopskito. Mopskito. Don't forget the Mopskito guys. Oh yeah. Uh, Render Me Silent recorded a single with you, right? Render Me Silent recorded a single with me. I'm still finishing up with the old ones. Yeah, they've been going at it for a minute now. Yep, we've been kind of scattered on the project, but we got some really good stuff. I'm super excited about the album. Yeah, I've seen a couple of little clips. I'm pretty stoked, too. <laughs> They're crazy. They're really good. <laughs> I love working with them. Did you do Pressure Knot this year? Or was Pressure that last Knot, year? Pressure Knot was either early this year or last year. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. And then any, and you've done a couple like solo artists too. Solo artists, yeah. I've been working with recently Kaylin Beasley in the Honky Tonk Arcade. Kaylin's from Wyoming. And then the drummer's Levi from Stranded by Choice. And uh, Kane, he's from Red Lodge. I can't remember the guitar player's name. But I think he's from Billings. That's been fun. He just put out a song late September. Nice. Like a week or two ago. That's been fun. It's like a honky-tonk country song. It's really... Something cool. a little different. Yeah. It's 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 funny going from like the old ones to that. Yeah. It's like, whoa. <laughs> Does it take a decent adjustment for you to like... Because I'm sure there's different like... There's different recording styles and there's different ways that you have to like adjust things. Yeah, I feel like... Recording country is all about just getting some good, clean sounds and just focusing on the quality. And then, like, recording with the old ones, it's all about how cool and weird can you get it. Right. Like, you're not so much worried about the clean guitar sound because there is no clean guitar sound. It's just doom, like, awesome distortion sounds. Yeah. So it's like you get a break the rules a little bit more in that kind of genre but definitely i enjoy both i can't can't say i'd pick either one well it's probably kind of nice to have variety it absolutely makes it less stagnant you're yeah. getting to do different stuff and yep keeps it fresh yeah for sure nice and any current projects besides the old ones going on uh juniper black i just worked on a song with them nice it's just Got just gotten done this past week. They approved it. Cool. So I'm excited about that one. Those guys are crazy too. Yeah. Aaron French is a beast. We only, I think we only play, we played a show with them just one, but that was a good show. Yeah. Um. I'm working with David Fredrickson from Mopskito on kind of some solo stuff. Nice. That's been cool. Cool. Just like right now, it's all kind of just a bunch of little stuff, which is okay. I'm definitely looking for the next next band to kind of work through the winter with, you know, on some songs. Yeah. Kind of get a big project going again. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's not going to take too long. You've got a pretty damn good reputation. Yeah, no. I haven't really had to try to go out and find any anyone yet. Which that's nice. <laughs> That's got to be so nice when you're not like trying to beg people to come yeah. record when everybody when when you have too much business you're doing a good job yeah or, or when like the business is flowing and and coming to you it's nice 
And if you you're like, oh, I can't really do anything right now. I'm kind of scheduled, but we can book something later on. You know, like that's always nice. And I've always wanted to like I've always had it in my mind like oh I'll go out to some open mics or something and hand out my card and kind of like push a little bit but I've never really had to like the next day I'll get a message on Facebook from like you or someone and they're like hey I want to record six songs and I'm like sweet yeah let's do it that's what it's always been about for me is just helping people out record music and but you do have the option too if like if for whatever reason there was a, a slow time or something like that. Right. You could always do that and go out and just yeah throw out your business and whatnot. That's one of the things that I always talk about with everyone. Everyone, there's so many ways to make money in music, and you just got to be creative. Like, there's so many ways I could run the studio, and I've been busy enough this year to kind of reflect on how, like, I should run it because I started started it out as like open doors you know kind of just public i took on everything that came and i got to the point where i was like so swamped and i'm only one person and it's like it's hard to mix and then master a song and just be the only person that's listened to it and be confident about it so i've definitely like bounced ideas off of people here and i've sent you know zach oswald some songs every now and then i'm like dude check this for me because i've been mixing this for two weeks and no one else has listened to it am i on the right track still <laughs> like but and then i'd get like multiple albums going and i'm like kind of like i don't think i'm gonna finish them i don't think i'm gonna finish them and i got to the point where i was having conversations with ashley about my life what do i want to do this, am I having fun still? Because all it's ever been for me is about having fun. So I'm like, ah, I'm mixing, and I don't have enough time to mix because I'm still recording people. People are coming in, and I'm recording, and I'm mixing, and then it's just like, all right. I kind of slowed down, and I kind of started to pick and choose. And I'm like, this is, this is better. Because now I, I want to focus on projects that I'm into. And that's part of it for me can't necessarily be open doors because I want to I want to work on projects that I like yeah. and that I'm into is basically the bottom line. And now that I realize that I'm going to take it in a different direction. Like I want to work with bands down in the down in the studio and not have to worry about hourly and like are we going to do this in time? Like knock out this solo as fast as you can. Like no, I want to spend like days down in there, like finding sounds and like what's what's cool and just you know making relationships with people and having fun and creating something that's decent, not just quantity over quality, you know. Sure. And that's what I was pushing myself into is just trying to knock them out as fast as I could. And I'm like, nah, that's not fun. Like, let's work on them. And that's one of the best things is going down there and not setting a time limit. Like, all right, I'm going to mix for an hour and then I'm going to be done. It's better to go down there and just like leave it open ended. Yeah. You don't know when you're going to be done. Just well, and on it until you're done. You got to go over those road bumps. You know, you got to mm -hmm. like be able to, in order to find the groove that you're most comfortable with, you had to go down this path and, and yeah. get busy and, and realize, you know, maybe this isn't the way that's efficient for me. For sure. Yeah, or whatever's comfortable. So, I mean, you found, obviously you figured out 
what you th- what you feel like is going to be the, yeah. the most uh, enjoyable way to do it for you now. For sure. Yeah, I kind of just go back to my roots, like why I got into recording, you know, why I got into music, and it's all about just creating something cool and having fun and enjoying the time that I'm doing it. Yeah, know? for sure. So let's go back to the roots a little bit. Let where where did it all start? Like, what what made you uh want to get into the recording business and and did you go to school for it? No. So it all started because of my dad. Mm. My dad was a lifelong musician. Was always in local but covered country bands and bands in general. When I was growing up here in Billings, so the band was always over practicing and stuff. He got me into guitar when I was probably eight, put me in guitar lessons. And I was an angsty teenager and young adult when I was going through my teenage years, and I just wrote songs all the time. Like I, I was really into poetry when I was young, like even in like fifth grade and stuff. I, I thought poetry was cool. Like it's just cool to be able to put words together that are satisfying, right? And... I wrote tons of songs when I was really young, going through middle school. And me and my cousin would get together and play them. And we'd have our band, you know. And my dad bought me this. It's called like an MR8 multi, digital multi-track. It was like a little miniature soundboard that had two inputs and like a bunch of effects and like even guitar amp simulations and stuff. And this was like, I don't know, maybe maybe late 2000s, 2006, 2007 maybe. And me and my cousin would put mics up and I'd plug my guitar in and we'd capture the drums and the guitar and we'd take it up to the computer and it'd, it'd export it onto a little, uh, like, what are they called? Like a USB? Uh, no, just a little, like, they go on cameras and stuff and have them bring parts. Oh, like a, yeah, why am I, I'm also blanking. <laughs> little memory card. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. And we plug it into the computer and listen back to it. And it was trash. And then, probably when I really got into it, was when I got a Line 6 pedal board back in the day for my guitar mm-hmm. and you could plug them in via USB to your computer and you could download a bunch of guitar sounds that people made and stuff. But they also came out with this program called Riffworks and you download it on your computer and it was basically a DAW, but you could only do a certain number of bars. <laughs> Excuse me. But that's when I started like getting into recording guitar riffs a lot onto the computer. And that was probably like my first DAW experience. And I'd put together songs and stuff on that thing all the time. And then fast forward out of high school. Well, I got into Cubase before I graduated, actually. I think I got into Cubase probably 10th grade, 11th grade, because I was really into Photoshop. And I enjoyed editing photos. I thought I was like probably a terrible photographer. Because I always was like, with Cubase I'm, or with Photoshop, I've, I'm always like, what can I do next? Mm. Like, what can I mess with this time? And I always used like crazy tools and effects just to kind of mess with 
Photoshop. So I finally got a recording software called Cubase, which I still use today. And man, I just started making songs out with my friends in high school, just like stupid raps. And then I graduated and I formed a band with Josh Walker and Stetson Riemann. Mm -hmm. Both really good friends. And Josh is just a lyric machine. So between me and him, we were writing so many songs. And it was more of a, and my dad was the drummer, of course. Nice. We were writing so many songs that we just had to record them all the time. Like we wanted to put these things on paper and we did, we put them all on paper and then we recorded all of them. And that's when I got like really into like the process. I started wondering, wanting to get to recordings better than the last ones. You know, I'm like, yeah, these are, these sound okay, but how come it doesn't sound like this? And I'm, then I started researching and learning. And then from there, it's just been a money pit and just, no, it's been fun. I've just been collecting ever since. And my dad loved collecting music equipment as well. And we'd always go to the music store and debate on what guitar cabs we were going to get next. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got a pretty impressive uh, collection as of right now. Well, yeah, unfortunately, my dad passed away. So I, his collection became my collection. And I already had a collection, and his collection was bigger than mine. So now that they're merged... It's a huge collection. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's an addiction, but it's a good one, I feel like. What was the name of your band? Uh we were called Overcoming the Odds. Nice. Yep. And then you you've been in other bands too, right? Um, I'm just in I've been in a a Blink one eighty two tribute band. Okay. Which was the funnest time of my life because I don't know if you know, but I'm a huge Blink one eighty two fan. I think I just saw a post that you <laughs> shared today, today yeah. yeah yeah blink 182 and green day is like my my love child that's your jam day. yeah nice but um yeah that's gotta be a blast to be in in something like that oh yeah that was fun that was awesome that was like the best karaoke party of my life and i got to play guitar in it and just sing all of mark's songs is that incredible is that kind of still something that is Brewing? Yeah. No, it hasn't been talked about in a long time. No. Yeah, unfortunately. I'd love to do it again, though. I'll never say never, you know? It's Nope, I'm never going to say never. But, uh, yeah, right now I'm in a band called Low Lives and High Notes, and we're a cover band. Okay. And we kind of do pop punk, early emo, 2000s stuff. I didn't know you were in that. Mm -hmm. I've heard of that. I yeah. just didn't know you were in them. Yep. Nice. Yep. That's been going on for about a year now, a little over a year. That's been keeping me busy alongside of everything else. Too. Yeah, I can only imagine. God. Yeah. I mean, I think about doing this and music. <laughs> we only practice once a week. Yeah. I mean, this has been a busy year, obviously, with with the CD coming out and stuff. But, I mean, that still drives me nuts. Yeah. So I can only imagine how busy you are with recording and then also having to do practices for a band. Yeah. Well, definitely. While being married. It put a strain on my relationship, for sure. Like, oh, did it? There was nights where I was coming home from work. And I was just cruising straight down to the basement because I had to mix songs. Mm -hmm. It's like, I gotta go mix like these songs. <laughs> Sorry, Ashley. <laughs> and I'd go down there and mix until 8 or 9 o'clock, you know, and then I'd come upstairs and it's dark and it's time to go to bed. And I'd do that like several days a week, you know, and then band practice one day. And then I'm recording with another band that weekend or something, you know. For sure. But yeah, it's fun. 
I can't complain. Well, I can, yeah, and I can imagine how that could be strenuous. It's strenuous. But, I mean, like I said, those trials. Yep. And obviously she's stuck stuck around, so like I mean she's a you know, she's along for the ride. Yeah, she is. She knew what she was getting into. <laughs> and and you take her to Belgium and stuff, so yeah, yeah. No, it's good to be busy because then you're it's fun to make as much stuff as you can because you only got so much time. That's absolutely true. Yeah. That was honestly one of my biggest motivations to wanting to record music. And in some ways I felt like I didn't feel like we rushed. As far as like the recording process or anything like that, mm-hmm. but it was definitely a goal of mine to get that out as soon as possible. Yeah, and it it was merely because you know I just turned thirty this year. I've been in and out of bands my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, never had anything recorded, mm. and it's just that next step that I never reached. Yeah, and I was like, that's that's kind of legacy in a way. It's like. Now, if I die tomorrow, I have something that was of my artistic side that got left behind, you right. know? Yeah, it's good to get it out there, especially in these days and ages. You can, you ha- we have the technology, so it's good to get it down and get yeah. it out there to people. You well, know. now it's so easy. You can just do everything yourself, mm-hmm. like the distribution side of it. And yep. Kind of a pain in the ass, but, you know. Yeah. No, you look back on it, and you're like, dang, I wish I had a recording of that. Right. Song we used to play. Exactly. Because you never know. You might want to bring one back one day or something like that. Re re envision it, and I don't know. It's cool. It's definitely cool to have it down in digitally forever. You know. Hopefully. Yeah. Unless something goes down where we lose electricity. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> and somebody said, "Oh, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and it was a couple comedians, and they're talking about how isn't it crazy." that all of our material over the last like five, 10 years is on streaming services. It's all recorded. None of, none of it's physical. There's not like physical media. Like yeah. now we do, like I made sure to get some physical media because of this exact reason. Yeah. It's like, all it takes is them being like, no more. Like, no, you're not on here anymore. They could just it's erase just, it yeah, all. It's all on their server. It's kind of scary. Yeah. So I was like, that's why I made it a point. Like, that's not specifically why I made it a point to get physical CDs, but yeah. I've, I still personally am a physical media guy. Yeah. And I think here in Montana, it's we're a little bit behind when it comes to like uh, trends or whatever. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I think sure. people here still like physical media. Oh yeah. More than other places. Yeah. Because you go other places and they're like, well, what's your Spotify? Well, what's your, you know, yeah. what's your YouTube link? True. Yeah. I, when I went over there into Europe, I didn't even use my credit card or my debit card once. Just the tap, Just hey? Just tap. Yeah. You pull out your their card and they're like. That's how it was for us, too. I was like, oh, I don't have the tap. <laughs> I didn't have the tap thing. So it's like, oh, it's all right. Like, we don't really use this that often, yeah. but. No, it was weird. And then I get back here and get the credit, debit card out. Yeah. it's It's interesting how, like. As like being part of the United States, I think it's a Montana thing more than it's a. I'm sure if you went to like New York or a bigger city somewhere, it'd probably be a little bit more caught up. Yeah. To the rest of the world, but it's just funny to think like we're supposed to be like the leaders of the of the world. We're supposed yeah. to be ahead of everything, and yet we're still like listen. We're watching DVDs and <laughs> yeah, throwing the CD in the in the record player, you know, in the car. 
But like we sold almost half of our stock that we already got. Really? I mean, we'd just be out at bars and we'd have them on us, and people were like, dude, I'll take one of those. Nice. Yeah, it's cool. It's just like the fact that people are still willing to buy physical media is like pretty cool. Yeah. At least for now, we'll see how how long it takes for that to catch up too. I mean, you get something. You get something physical. You can hold it in your hand. And I love that. That's why the whole on it. And... That's why that whole NFT and crypto shit. Like yeah. never, I never got into it. Like I never <laughs> thought I saw, it. We saw some or the NFTs in some of the museums that we went to. They really? just had screens, and then the NFT would play on them. Huh. I was like, really? I mean, I guess that's... It's an animation. Kind of physical in a way. Art. It's like, visual. I guess it's art. Like, someone took the time to animate it or make it, you know? Yeah. But I just don't get why they were selling for so much or why they sell for so much. Yeah, I, n- I never understood. I still don't understand it. It's kind of wild. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm a physical media guy. I like having. <laughs> yeah. It's just always, it, it, like you said, it's nice, especially with music. You know, like to see the artwork, to mm-hmm. read the lyrics, and to see all the just the extra stuff. And hopefully, that's just not our nostalgia. Like it could maybe be the next generation won't care about that at all. And I'm sure they they probably don't. <laughs> and I, it's definitely a nostalgia thing for me because. I loved going to, I mean, I, I I was one of those kids that would wait outside the store for it to open up mm-hmm. so I could go in and get the newest yeah, CD. I, I loved going to Hastings and just like walking aimlessly in like the rock section and just picking one because of the artwork. Like, oh, that looks cool. Never heard of these guys before, but I love the artwork. So I just, like, that's how I discovered so many bands. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I, I didn't exactly have the, the, means to be able to just like ah, i want this but yeah. but i do remember going to hastings and just like looking at everything and being like oh that's a cool one or mm-hmm. you know or borders is a place i would go yep and because they had the listening cool. booths yeah you can listen to i'd them. scan it and, and some of the cds you'd get the full song <laughs> so i would just sit and listen to songs all day nice yeah i miss those stores <sighs> i know it's hastings man everyone talks about how much they miss blockbuster I miss oh, Hastings. Yeah. Especially like how Hastings became because they also had like comic books and yeah. things like that. The movie thing's convenient. I really don't miss Blockbuster, like having to go get a movie. It's pretty convenient being able to just watch them from your TV. I now. agree. I haven't, I mean, I guess you see, I have a lot of movies, but I haven't bought a movie in yeah. a long time. I still think it makes sense to go somewhere to buy music, though. It just makes sense to me. Like a place that sells music. I think. I, I that has to come from a place for us in the fact that like we know it's a more supportive system to sure. the artist. Yeah. Where like although I don't know if that's true necessarily anymore cuz the record companies are like it's one of the most like heinous businesses ever created as far as like the old school model. I guess cuz when you sell CDs not only does the the artist have to make money but you got to pay everyone making the CD and then the person that owns the store that's selling the CD has to make money off of you too. Cause yeah. they're selling your CD. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it doesn't seem very profitable, but, but as like, if, if you're going to do it as like an independent, mm-hmm. then that's kind of, it makes more, you know, yeah. now we're in a time where you can just be independent. You don't really need to be slave to a record label. You can kind of just promote yourself. It's harder but it is, but I it's think, possible. Yeah, 
I think I think independent artists and just doing it yourself is the way to go. I've never thought highly of record labels at all. Yeah. And it made sense back in the day where it's like we get we can give you a platform. Yeah. Well now it's like we have access to we could put stuff on YouTube. Yeah. We can put stuff on Spotify ourselves. Exactly. You don't need them anymore because you have so many access to social media and all this advertisement right at your fingertips. Yeah. I mean, it just it costs you money, but it's it would cost you money anyway. Mm-hmm. Plus, I've always heard the best way to do it still to go out and play shows. Yeah. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I mean, it's still the best way to do it. It really is because you connect with people live and exactly. Way. And and the amount of bands that I became fans of, from op- they were opening for other bands I was going to see, and mm-hmm. I didn't know who they were. And I'm yeah. just like, dude, these guys rule. Mm-hmm. Like they sound awesome, or like just even their stage performance. Yeah. And then getting to go to hang out with the bands because they're the startup, so that they're just like, uh, set you know at the merch booth trying to sell CDs and stuff. Yeah. Go hang out and talk to them, and it's like th- those were the best bands. Yeah. You connect with people like connect with energy in the room and just like i don't know it's different it's better than like hey check these guys out and listen to it on their iphone for 30 seconds and you're like yeah right no you're gonna go check them out (laughs) you're gonna go listen to their set well and when you have that like almost emotional experience of being there and like experiencing it yeah it's an experience yeah and then it translates into the want to support Mm -hmm. for sure so, when did you make the decision then that you were going to do the recording as like a f- business? So, I kind of just felt when when I was playing in the band with those guys, kind of just felt stagnant by recording our music all the time and just bored almost. And I wanted to record someone who was better basically i wanted to just like create cooler stuff and i wasn't qu- quite we weren't quite capable of doing it i mean i'm sure if we would have worked we would we would have done great things but i wanted to just like record other people i was like i want to take these skills that i've learned in this band recording us and i want to record some cool shit and that's when i kind of like started telling my dad like hey maybe we could use all this stuff that we've acquired now to record our band and maybe we should invite some other people over because there's some really good musicians in billings like i just loved going to local shows and being like dang like these guys are good and then in rapture was like one of my favorite bands back in the day and i was like listening to their stuff they were putting out and i'm like these albums are killer. Yeah. Like, I want to make something like this. I want to make stuff like that just blows people away. And I just was like, ah, I'm going to reach out and just kind of reach out to people and that I know. And, and that's when I hooked up with uh, the guys from Tribe. And that was kind of like my first metal album that I did and then I hooked up with 100 Proof back in the day and that was like my first country album that I did and yeah from there once that those two albums released everyone kind of knew 
what I was doing, and then I was lucky enough to have Stranded by Choice hit me up. Yeah. And I was like, yes. And those guys are so knowledgeable, and they recorded, they still, like this last album that I did, they record all of it at Rich's house, and then they send it to me, and the recordings that I get from them are already, like, great. So it's it was a super fun process on both those albums to just put it all together. Like I'd get the stems and I'd have no idea what the song was like and we record the drums like months and months ahead with Levi and like Rich would play the bass with them and so I'd hear the bass line and I'd hear the drums kind of like how we recorded your guys' album. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the funnest processes for me is to like not know what the song sounds like and just see the it develop. End. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. So like we did the drums for Stranded, they'd send me tracks and I'd just take my drum tracks and I'd upload all of Rich's tracks and I'd just see the song come to life and I'd understand the structure all of a sudden I'm like, Oh hell yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's fun. And yeah, just like the way we recorded. That's basically how we do it every time. Get the drums down and go in and start multi tracking guitars and bass and and stuff like that and you it's just so cool because like i don't know what it's i don't know what it's gonna sound like and then at the end it's like oh yeah that's what it sounds like yeah this it well it's fun to it's kind of like writing a song you know mm -hmm. it's it's the same kind of all right sorry We're folks back. we uh had some technical difficulties <laughs> there for a hot second but uh we were kind of just talking about building the relationship with uh oh yeah people you're recording with yeah like instead of like, you watch the song get built in front of your eyes, but you also kind of watch a friendship or a relationship get built with the artist while you're down there. Because you have to, like, work together, and, you know, you just met this guy, and you have to, you have to do guitar solos together and stuff and, and learn and kind of just learn how to communicate with people. And that's a big part of it. That's fun for me, too. Yeah. It's like making friends. Oh, yeah. I, would, I don't know where I'd be if I wasn't a musician. Well, and you also, uh, I'm sure once you have worked with somebody once, you kind of build, you know, you learn their tendencies. Yeah, like the second time is way better, yeah, for sure. Well, and then you have that comfort level where yeah. everybody's comfortable with each other, everybody's... Yeah, it's not a weird, like, a lot of times when people show up to my house, they just see a house, you know, and they're like, oh... And they walk in, and I kind of lead them downstairs. And once they get downstairs, they're like, "Oh, yeah, oh, I, dude, I, I remember well because I came and checked everything out the first time by myself. Yep. And I was like, Jesus, this is, I mean, like you said, it's just it's a normal, yeah, home, family home. Yeah, it can be weird. Then you go downstairs and you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> it can be weird. And I told all the guys too. I was like, you're you're gonna shit yourself when you see this this setup. And all of them were just, like, blown away. <laughs> but it definitely takes time for people to settle in and for them to get comfortable with you. And being an engineer and being a even somewhat of a producer, I don't call myself a producer, but I think of myself more of an engineer. Okay. I don't try to... And that's another... Back to the conversation about how you want to lead, lead the studio business and how, what you want to do in the business to make money. And you can be a producer be a sound engineer you know there's just you could do audio for movies and you could do sounds and what, what's it called folly oh yeah like i could do that stuff but what i like to do is go down 
even over a weekend with a couple dudes and just bust out dudes and girls. Yeah. And just bust out uh bust out some good songs, dude. Make have fill fill the studio up studio up with scenarios and instruments and just see what you can make. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well and then you said it's kind of been like a little bit of a learning process too, huh? Like like as it's gone, you 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 said you're self taught kind of in a way, right? Totally. Yep. Totally self taught. So everything I mean, I've I've watched I've went through master classes on the internet and watched videos and stuff like that and slate academies and but most of my experience is just from years and years of EQing things, being like, Oh, that sounds like shit. Let's try to fix it. And then just going like back and fixing it. And, learning by doing. Yeah, learning by doing. Like, <clears throat> it's so funny. I've got probably, like, my dream monitors now because I took out a Sweetwater loan and I went for it. And they're always like, once you get these monitors, you won't have to go do the car test. You won't have to go out to your car and listen to your mix and oh, okay. check it, you know? But you still do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the time. Yep. And then the other day I saw a video of the Foo Fighters and the mixing engineer for the Foo Fighters go out to their cars and listen to the Foo Fighters mixes in their cars. And I'm like, I, I don't feel so bad anymore. It's, Everyone does. It. I mean, it's. I remember when you sent me the tracks first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I listened to it on my headphones. And then the next thing I did, I was listening to my car, yeah. and then I listened to it like on my my uh, speaker systems, you know, yeah. just like my trying to listen to it on every single thing yep. because you do kind of hear certain things a little differently. Yep, yep. I have a little JBL speaker that I play my mixes through all the time, and I listen to them on my headphones. And I also have these expensive headphones that emulate rooms and monitors that I use, and yeah, it's a combination of doing all of that to finally be like, all right. Because you definitely hear other things on different speakers and different frequencies pop and others go away. Yeah. And you just got to find those frequencies, man. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, it's it was pretty wild, honestly, to hear. I mean, it was cool to sit in and see the songs getting kind of built, mm -hmm. but it wasn't there, you know? I mean, you're just getting like the raw... Right. Recording. Mm -hmm. And then even like the doing the vocal recordings and stuff like that, it was an interesting process too, just because like we took so many takes and it's like mm -hmm. doing the backup stuff. And I love how all that shit turned out, by the way. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cool to, to get the, the first draft of, of the mix. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm just sitting, I literally was sitting here right here. Listening to it, I can't remember what was going on. I think that we were having a barbecue or something like that. Like I was, I had some my mom and family were coming over, mm -hmm. and I'm just sitting here. The second you sent it to me, I just like sat down and <laughs> threw on my headphones, and I'm listening to I don't even remember what song it was, but I was just like smiling ear to ear because it was like, dude, this is like what we've been we've been playing this song for two years now, mm -hmm. three years almost at that point, and it's like you're hearing it in a whole different way. Mm -hmm. It's, and as of, you know, when I'm singing, I'm, I'm listening for specific things. Right. I'm listening for like certain cues and I'm listening for like 
or I'm following just the drums on this part, or I'm following the bass on this part. Yeah. At least that's how my brain processes it. Same. And then to hear it all without having to think about what I'm doing next, <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, I actually get to hear... I mean, when we were recording, there were so many times somebody, Justin or uh, Aaron, would be playing something, and I'm like, that's what you play at that part? <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I've I mean, heard that from a lot of people all the time. Right. Cause I you're... don't have time to, like, notice what you're playing over there, you know? Yeah, I'm too busy worrying about what I have to say next and, like, <laughs> yeah. trying to remember the lyrics and have, be on time and be in key and yeah. all that stuff. So that was a really cool process to, like, actually hear the dissected versions of the song and then also just hear that final product for the first time. Because then my mom walked through the door mm. and she just sees me smiling and I looked over at her and she goes, did you get the recordings back? I was like, yep. She goes, let me hear it. I was like, no, these are on <laughs> lockdown. Like we got a whole, we still got a while before these actually come out. Uh, Yeah. I think I remember getting a message from you. Oh yeah. You're like, Hey, don't send these to anyone else but me. <laughs> oh yeah. Because well, the big thing is it was mostly, and I don't, and I have no shame in saying this. My cousin Aaron, <laughs> I knew he would be the guy that's like, "Hey, check these out at the bar." He'd just be drunk post them on their Facebook. Yeah, he'd just be drunk at the bar, like, "Hey, what do you think of these?" And I'm like, "Dude, no!" Like, this is supposed to be on full lockdown. Like, yeah, maybe next time I, I'm, I'll be a little more lenient. Yeah, this was our first time. You know, it's like we had to. It was sacred. Yeah, it had to be special. We wanted to release it. exactly yeah no i understand that completely yeah no i I remember sending (laughs) to that message that's funny Uh, i made sure everybody else heard it and was able to have their input yeah Yeah, i know i didn't want to be the only i wasn't going to be the only one like (laughs) making making the final judgment on it no but i just didn't want it to go to like a group message or something (laughs) like that where like everybody had access check out this link yeah right uh, no, that was, it was it was super smooth, super easy. We had a great time. Everybody talked highly about it, and yeah, man, thanks. Reflects so. upon it fondly. Yeah. So, if there's any artists out there looking for a place to record some music, hit me up. Instagram or Facebook message me is probably the best way. Iconoclast Home Studios. Hell yeah, man! Let's get that business rolling. Huh? Let's get it. Let's get more. Let's get busy again. You know? Yeah, build it up some more. All right. Well, other than music, man, like anything else crazy going on in life or anything um, else like exciting that you're into? Oh, me and my wife have been talking about a food truck. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. I've been doing numbers or she's been doing numbers all day today. It's scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is just like a new, new just, revelation. Yeah. Just something we want to do. I don't know. She's. She's really looking for something. She wants to be her own boss, too. So do I. If I could do studio stuff all day, quit my day job, I would. That is kind of a scary leap, though, sometimes. Oh, totally. It's a huge investment. and You know, you always got to worry about what you want to do 10 years from now. Yeah. Do I want to still do a food truck 10 years from now? I don't know. But But the thing is, if you make it a profitable business... Yeah. You could sell the right. You could sell the name. You could sell the truck. You could sell all like mm-hmm. the recipes and whatnot. What, what would you think doing a, a whole original thing? I don't know if I want to give out too much information. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. It's it's a it's a new. <laughs> I get it. It's a pri- uh, It's not original idea, but it's nothing that's around here. Okay, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. We'll leave it at that. I, I... tell me off camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I 
that that's cool though. I mean that that's a cool like. My I actually have a a friend that she just started her own uh, food truck. No oh, shit. I think she does like cake designs. Nice. Or some, it's like pastries. Cool. And she's in Bozeman, but okay. uh, that's that's what she's been up to. And because her family owns a I'm Craven Barbecue here oh. in town. Oh, nice. Yeah. Those guys are pretty successful. Yeah. And so she she took their model of business and made her own thing and nice, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's something that I want to do too. Like, I love my job. I'm a sheet metal worker, obviously, but I don't know. There's something exciting about starting something new. Yeah, just changing it up. But we'll see. Something in the works there. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, my uncle John. He. We talked about it when we were over in Europe. He wants us to move over there and start one up over there. That'd be wild. That'd be wild. Ashley was all over that idea. She yeah. Was looking at houses on the real estate websites and stuff. And I'm like, oh no. Now we're moving to Europe. We just established <laughs> the studio down in the basement. <laughs> hey, maybe get some, some Belgian metal over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. What uh do they is it prominently English speaking over there? In uh, Belgium, yeah, in Belgium, they speak mostly English. It's Dutch, but everyone there speaks English. Gotcha. Like when I try to say something Dutch to someone, they just speak English. Do you back speak to Dutch? Right away. No. Oh. Just a little bit that I know. Gotcha. Thank you well, which is thank you, and uh, like you're welcome. <laughs> a little other, yeah, <laughs> a little other stuff like that. Yeah. Anytime I, I said thank you well, they're like you're welcome. I'm like okay. I got all right. Oh, you want to hear? Just because this kind of reminded me of this. One of the most cringeworthy experiences I've ever had in my life. I used to serve at Olive Garden. Okay. And this um, Hispanic family comes in. And I'm serving with a guy who's been there for however long, m- longer than I had been. And when it's a big table, you have to do two servers on the table. Mm-hmm. Or that was their rule. So we both go up and we're bringing their salad to them and stuff and he goes queso queso and they're like yes i'll have some cheese and i'm like what are you doing bro <laughs> and he kept like doing like these little like he'd say like really horribly like you know spanish speaking like he, broken spanish like he, he was barely speaking spanish himself and i'm like they speak english you know like you don't have to do that and they're like oh he's like oh no but it's just you're connecting with the table i'm like no, really. I'm just like, bro. This is. I was like, I, I can't even show my face over at that table anymore. That's weird. It was wild, <laughs> but just like the idea of going somewhere, trying to speak the language, and then being like, yeah, yeah, I know what you're. Yeah. I, I speak. I speak your language. Yeah, I feel like. I don't know. They kind of appreciate it. Oh sure, there. I'm sure. Yeah. Especially if you're going over there. Yeah, they're kind of like, okay, thanks, but. I'll speak English to you. <laughs> <laughs> is it okay? So, is it the same over there as it is? I'm I'm just curious how all of Europe is maybe different from each other or not. Can they figure out that you're American pretty quick? Um, it depends. My wife Ashley, everyone spoke to her in Dutch right uh, away. Right away. Okay. And then everyone speaks to me in English right away. So I, I guess it's just kind of how you look and dress, I think. You know, so we we were told 
the reason everybody knew we were American is because we wore ball caps. Yeah, the hat that gives it away too. Yeah. No one wears hats over there. I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. That was an interesting like revelation to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you're wearing a hat, it's like it's it's like a dress hat. It'd be like right. a some kind of a dress hat. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's a lot of slick back hair over there, kind of hairstyles and not a lot of dresses. That's one thing Ashley noticed as a girl. Like, oh, really? All the girls are wearing dresses and stuff. And she was wearing jeans and t-shirts most of the time, and she's like, "I don't fit in." <laughs> yeah. But we bought her some dresses while we we're over there. Don't worry. Nice, nice. <laughs> She fit in. They were speaking Dutch to her all the time. It was hilarious. That's cool. That's pretty cool. I mean, we, we did get asked for directions one time in <laughs> Ireland. And we're like, oh, we're not from here. <laughs> like, oh, sorry, sorry. So that was like our only like real compliment that we were like, okay, at least we kind of look a little Irish. Mm-hmm. You guys got a show coming up on Friday, huh? Yeah, well, when this comes out, it'll already, it'll already happen. Friday the 13th at it, Thirsty Street. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I should come down and check it out. Yeah, I mean, it'd probably be our last show this year. Thinking so? Yeah, I think holidays coming up, and we'll just take a break. We'll start writing still. Mm -hmm. Like, we'll still be practicing and just writing some new material. Heck yeah. And probably just play sometime early next year. I think it'd be just nice to have some time to make some new material and not worry about shows at the moment. And like like we already talked about, winter time's kind of one of those slower mo- slower mm-hmm. times for yep. shows and yeah. No one likes gigging in the snow. Nah. Moving equipment and trying to get people to come out in the Although last, you know, at the beginning of this year, February, I think about that time February, March. Mm-hmm. That's when people are starting getting stir crazy. They want to start going out and doing stuff. For sure. Holidays are over and even though it's still snowy out, because yeah. we had a pretty good turnout at our show in uh, February yeah. this year, so I think probably about that time. People in Montana are tough; they'll go out for something they think it's worth. Yeah, that's true. But as of right now, unless something crazy comes up, unless we get offered something that we just can't refuse, <clears throat> yeah, this will probably be our last show for the year. So, cool. I'm sure it'll go good. Like I said, this will come out on Monday, so okay, show will already <laughs> have been done by then. Well, uh, Low Lives and High Notes are playing at Craft Local October 28th Halloween show with Spiked Mind and Do Fish Make Noise. Hell yeah. Okay. Be a good one. I think I might be able to come to that. I don't think there's anything else going on. Or I don't think I have anything going on that night. It's Halloween night? It's Saturday the 28th. Oh, the 28th. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So go check that out, anybody. If y'all have free night. Go check that out. Some good music. I think they're having a Halloween uh, costume contest and stuff like that. Correct. Yep. Ooh, I might come over and dress in <laughs> costume. All right. Oh, one last thing. I know you're a Broncos fan. Do you know I'm a Broncos fan? Yeah, okay. I think we might have talked about this, actually. <laughs> what do you think of our team this year? <sighs> Wait, did I see a Russell Wilson jersey on you last a couple podcasts ago, too? Do I you? did have one on. Do yeah. you have one? I do. <laughs> I, was, I was the hopeful... I was hopeful. And I still am. You know what? I'm still hopeful. I'm always I'm always the optimist. The first few games weren't that bad. We just lost by a couple points, but uh, the Miami one. Oh, God. That was horrible. That was a bummer, man. No, yeah, it really was. And my brother's a uh, Dolphins fan, too, so I oh, haven't heard the end of that. Mm. Yeah. No, I'm a – like I said, I'm ever the optimist, but uh, the defense is the it's problem. Bad. That's our it's problem Vance right now. Joseph, yeah, to be honest. for sure. But – uh. 
tomorrow we play the Chiefs, so that should be horrible. horrible. <laughs> yeah, I'll grab one for you too. Thanks. Yeah, no, the Chiefs. Um, that that's probably gonna be pretty bad. I can imagine. Um, I kind of there's a obviously I hoped we win because we've lost to them I think 15 times in a row now. Mm, and like that. is it a road game or? I think it's in Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, Kev, Travis Kelsey is questionable, so Ooh. we will see about that. But um, so Taylor Swift is questionable too. Or? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It would appear. It would appear so. Um, obviously, I'm optim. I, I would. I would hope we could beat them, and it would be an absolute thrill to watch them beat them, especially with how bad we are. You never know. Absolutely. But if we are gonna lose, I kind of hope we get absolutely destroyed. You think so? Because if that's the case, we got ten days to our next sh- game. We very much could fire Vance Joseph and put in somebody who's going to implement a new system. But I guess Sean Payton's pretty good friends with <sighs> Vance know. Joseph. He's I the one that hired him. So then Sean Payton would actually have to admit his mistake. <laughs> and and coaches don't like to do that. So you make a good point there. He probably will just stick with them the whole rest of the year. Oh man. My problem is. I don't want them to – my biggest fear, I guess, is that the defense is going to be so bad and, and we're going to lose enough games by the time the trade deadline comes that we're going to trade Justin Simmons because he does have value. And, um, I mean, he is getting up there and as far as he's been around for a while. Yeah. Still, still great. And he's been injury prone. It would suck because he's one of my favorite players. We've traded so many people this last year. It's awful. Oh, I know. It was, I we mean, don't have much left to be honest. I know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, so uh, Simmons is about the only one that has trade value. Sertan, that would be stupid if they traded Sertan. He's young. You got to have some talent on the team. Yeah. And then, uh, I suppose on offense, we got like Judy and Sutton mm-hmm. that have some value. Um, we got rid of Randy Gregory. I think it was Randy Gregory. Yeah. Good I, riddance. I guess he wasn't really good guy anyways but yeah it was a huge blunder and i and i feel like if if we continue down this path george payton's gonna get fired uh, it's pretty sad right now it's hard for me to get into football this year for sure because of it yeah i know and it's like i was so excited yeah and even that first game that we lost it was like okay it was close mm-hmm. we were in this russell was like third in qb rating for a while mm-hmm. I don't know what he is now and Probably then not that. But. Did we play Washington the next week and we were crushing them and then they came back and we were up yeah. by like 21 points and they came back and beat us. Yep. I'm like what the hell? Yep. So, I don't know. We'll see. I know. It's it's pretty uh, oh, I'll be going down to Denver here soon Are for you? a game. Nice. Which yeah. one? Uh Vikings. Cool. Broncos Vikings it's on uh the 19th I think of November. Nice, dude. Yeah, it seems like a bad investment at this point nah, but it's still fun yeah they're always fun to go to live i remember going to one in december and it was so cold that the kegs were foaming because oh the kegs shit were too cold and i got my beer finally after they're just like dumping foam dude just like cups of foam until you finally got a full beer and then i remember going out and freezing freezing and then there's like ice over my beer dude and i'm like you're just drinking a slushy it was so hard to drink beer when it's that cold oh man well honestly the coldest game i've ever been to was last year in nashville 
Oh, really? Yeah. Of all places, I was like, I didn't come to the south. I didn't go on a road game to the south to freeze my ass off. And I've been to Denver probably like eight or nine times. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've been to that stadium quite a few times. And mm. only once it's ever snowed. I think really? maybe maybe twice. But it was just like a light snow, and it was never like freezing. Over there, and it's so humid. Mm-hmm. So when it's cold, you get that like really really cold i want to say the game that i was at that it was that cold was actually tim tebow versus the patriots and it was when they we actually won and it was like snowing i don't know if you remember that game i'm thinking correctly or was it was it tebow or was it when uh when cj anderson ran that overtime touchdown with brock osweiler oh it was brock osweiler was it that game Mm -hmm. that was the same year we won the super bowl right I'm confused. If it was that game, then that's the same year we won the Super Bowl. It was cool, though. It was a cool game. I mean, it's always fun to beat the Patriots. Yeah. It could have been Tebow, though, because there there was... I think it was Tebow. Man. Okay, because I do remember, because that was Josh McDaniels, too. Mm-hmm. And and we beat the Patriots. Yeah. That would have been a good game. Yeah, because it was a long time ago. Okay, okay. Well, the Super Bowl was a long time ago, too. That's true. It's former glory at this point. That's true. I mean, I still, I'm still so happy that I got to see him win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I was I was alive for the first two, but I wasn't like mm-hmm. a consistent fan. The first one that we lost to Washington was pretty, pretty rough. Super Bowl. Yeah, what was that Super Bowl? It was like two years before we went back. Oh, okay, yeah. Because remember, we went and lost to uh, the Seahawks. We got destroyed. Oh, Peyton Manning fumbled it yep, on like yep. the first play. I cried. Yeah, I cried after that oh, wait, game. Or was that Cam Newton and uh, no, no, Carolina? No, that's when we, we won. beat them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. No, we got we got beat by the Seahawks. I cried real tears because <laughs> I had waited so long to see them even be good, not even go to a Super Bowl, just be good at that point. And then we got to the Super Bowl. We had the number one offense in the league. Lost to a, a very talented Seahawks team. <laughs> and, uh, but we redeemed our, honestly, it was the ultimate redemption mm-hmm. because the Seahawks lost the next year. Yeah, was that the play where Russell threw an interception on the last play? And... Yep. And then the next year after that, we won. Yep. So those were the glory days. Those were the good years. <laughs> it was so nice having Peyton Manning. I was like almost stress free during the offense, off- offensive games. I was like, like ah, oh, he's gonna pass it. We're gonna be good. I know, God. And now every single not so now not only offensively because the last five years, yeah. am I still like stressed? And you know we're not exactly doing great this no. year offensively. While Russ is doing better than he did last year, the red zone is still a problem. It is, <laughs> and the O line's still kind of a problem. Mm-hmm. Turnovers have been a problem still. Absolutely. But the special teams is better than last year, I can say that. Yeah. But then the defense, the thing that we've been like able to rely on, it's has fallen apart. It's so gone. now no matter what, every play, and then after last week with Mims fumbling those punt returns. Yeah. Or he did the one, I guess. But Just the one, but now every single play has to be a stress play. Yeah. And even third and who third and <laughs> three, and we're just like, come on. Uh, yeah. Third downs are like kryptonite for Russell Wilson right now. I don't know. 
They've been. I think we're just cursed. Or the new Browns. I hope not. I thought Sean Payton was going to be able to make some good decisions, but I'm kind of questioning well, his decision making just because of his cocky attitude. Yeah, that definitely didn't help anything. I uh, and that sucked too to watch. Oh, the Hackett thing last week. I was like, that sucked. They're, that's all they were talking about after the game. Like, oh, Coach Hackett beat the Broncos. I know, and he was, and he was really like living it up. Oh, and... smiling from ear to ear, dude. I can't blame him. I guess you know he got fired from the organization, but I'm yeah. just like, and the way Peyton did talk shit. It, yeah, he probably shouldn't have said that. He threw him under the bus pretty hard. Well, and if you're gonna do that, back it up. Yeah, you know. I mean, it. Coach has a big part of it, but it's not all on the coach. It's a team effort. I know, and we, for sure, we've uh, gone through so many coaches and quarterbacks the past couple of years. I can't even keep up anymore, man. I've been questioning some of our offensive play calls this year too. Like, yeah, we we just made some boneheaded decisions the last couple games, and we started off pretty good. Like, I I thought the offense flowed pretty well, mm-hmm. not quite as efficiently as I would hope, but yeah. better than what we were expecting last year. Mm-hmm where we could barely get a third down. Now we can actually kind of drive the field a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, then the defense comes out, and you're just like, well, fuck. Yeah. Got to score a lot of points in order to have that bad of a defense. Right, and that's what I, I told a buddy, too. I was like, you can't, you can't score 30, or you can't allow 30 points and expect to win a game. Yeah. Like, you're you're supposed to be the one scoring thirty points. Yeah. If your defense is allowing that, you're always playing catch up, and it's just gonna it's it's either a shootout, which you don't want, or you're playing from behind. Yeah. And we've we've lost by at least thirty in three of our four losses, and then the one that we did win, we had to play comeback against the worst team in the NFL, <laughs> and they made a terrible decision. Oh, to go for at it on fourth? That game, yeah. Yeah, that what was horrible. A stupid decision. And I feel like the coach of the Bears was pressured to do that because he had that decision in the beginning of the game and they kicked a field goal. And then at the end of the game, he had that decision again. And what a stupid decision to do on the Bears. What's much more on the line, too, he had. So yeah. we should have lost that game, but we didn't. Yeah, we miraculously came back and beat the Bears, <laughs> you know, on a comeback victory in the fourth quarter which was cool it was fun to watch it was really exciting yeah but it's like man if we're barely beating the bears and making justin fields look like a all pro (laughs) yeah defense is not doing well at that point it's not but i mean the sean payton's not going anywhere no everybody's talking like russell wilson's on the outs i don't see that happening just based on contract i just don't see how we could cut him so much money yeah i just i and it's not it's not even the money that we would have to spend because we our owners could spend it i suppose it's not that that's the problem the problem is the amount that it goes against the cap that you know that it's a suffering that 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 would make us suffer regardless i still don't understand how we signed an extension on his contract before he even played for us that was crazy that's just that was really crazy (laughs) Yeah, that was that was not exactly uh, smart. So I think we're stuck with Russ for at least one more year. We have to. He has to at least be good enough to trade. Yeah, he's thirty four years old. You know, like an aging quarterback isn't really worth a lot. 
in the in today's market. Not unless he's going somewhere to be a backup. Right. And who's gonna pay that money? We'd we'd lose our ass on that one for sure. I think we're stuck with with Russ for a while, and you know they gave Sean Payton a crazy contract. Oh, yeah. So, because he could have waited to go coach in Dallas. Yeah. And he chose to come to he us had because. Options. Oh yeah. He could have coached San. He could have coached the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Like that, I know the Chargers and Cowboys were two on his list, but he came to us because we showed him those dollars. Mm-hmm. And I do think he'll, if we let him take the reins, and kind of like, he'll make it happen. I think he's got the skill set and the attitude to be a good coach for sure. Uh-huh. And I think we're heading that way. It's just it's you can't be good overnight. Yeah, it takes years of building up a Super Bowl team again. But I do think um I think we're going to see either Sutton or Judy get traded. Yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, if anybody Judy was a bust and Sutton was supposed to step up a long time ago, dude. I know. I I am I'm, I'm definitely a Sutton fan. Yeah, me too. Where I used to be. I know. I thought he was going to after Emmanuel Sanders retired and Sutton was kind of like like your time now, Sutton. And then with, he got injured and with how Mims is playing, I think they they know they have him on the horizon. Mm-hmm. I don't see them trading both Sutton and Judy. So it's going to be one or the other. Sutton makes sense because he's older to trade, mm-hmm. but Judy probably has more value because he's younger. I think Judy has more catches this year. I think they're probably going to trade Judy mostly for the fact that he probably won't resign with us anyway. That's true. And his contract's coming up. Like I think we'd have to exercise our fifth-year option on him this year. That's what happens, too, when you're losing and people on the team that are good don't like losing so they're looking for other options now. I know. And then Simmons might get traded too. I I don't want to see that. Yeah. But they're going to try and get some more draft capital. And in all honestly, this is a a pretty good QB class coming in this year. If we're t- and d- take uh, this is just my opinion. If we have a top 5 pick, I don't take a quarterback. Unless it's Caleb Williams. If Caleb Williams is available, you take Caleb Williams. Other than that, we're so bad at drafting quarterbacks. I know. That's what I was about to say. Like, I don't want to risk having a top five pick and wasting it on a quarterback that's not going to be good. It's such a hard thing to pick a quarterback. I'd rather they draft a quarterback in the fourth round that just ends up being like a Dak Prescott or a Russell Wilson. Well, look at what round Tom Brady was picked in. He was picked in, like, the later rounds. Look at Brock Purdy. Yeah, he was the last pick in the draft. Yeah, and then the first two, or the first couple picks are just really high prospects, and they don't turn out to be what they were in college. Right, it's a totally different game when you get into the NFL. I would rather us take a high-ranking skills position, whether that's cornerback or safety or wide receiver or yeah. something like that. Something that's going to help immediately affect us. Yeah, let's get some linebackers again, man. Dude. That, it, Defense wins games. And honestly, our edge rush is not terrible. It's not great, but our middle linebackers have been a problem. Yeah. I miss Vaughn Miller and uh, Demarcus Ware and Doomerville. Elvis Doomerville. Man. Derek Wolf on the line. Oh, Derek Wolf was a beast. For, uh, dude, okay. Just because I can tell you're a, a very. Uh, avid fan and have followed 
the two biggest mistakes the Broncos have made in the last since the Super Bowl. Let's say that. Okay. The two biggest mistakes were not drafting Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah. That's number one. We drafted Bradley Chubb over Josh Allen at number five. Oh, yeah. Huge mistake. That's gonna live with us for the rest of our lives. And number two, Chubb was a letdown too. Well, and actually, these these coincide the two that I was thinking. We that same year we let go of Shaq Barrett. Oh yeah, Shaq Barrett was a beast. Who went on to be the defensive player of the year that year? Oh really? He had the that. he almost broke the record for most sacks. <sighs> well, he le- he led the league in sacks, and we could have just signed Shaq Barrett to go to be play opposite of Von Miller, which yeah. is what we drafted Bradley, Bradley Chubb, Chubb to, to do. do. We could have just had those two and then had Josh Allen. Yeah. And then we would have been set. Yeah. I had high hopes of Bradley Chubb and he did good for a while. He had But uh, he, he also had Von Miller and it's like hard to judge a linebacker when Von Miller's on the other side. He was hurt a lot. And he got hurt a lot. He, yeah. he only had one Pro Bowl season. That's true. It's just yeah. But you put anyone any two linebackers or whatever with Von Miller on the other side and Von Miller's getting double teamed and just making so much commotion over there that the other linebacker kind of shines a little more too. I'm kind of glad I'm, I'm glad that Vaughn got to go win another Super Bowl, even though me too. I didn't love that. Like I, I, I was rooting for the Bengals in that Super Bowl. Yeah. Cause I like Joe Burrow and some of those other guys, but I'm glad he got to win a Super Bowl. Me too. He and I'm glad he's it. on the bills now too. Yeah. Cause I like, I like rooting for the bills. If such an avid Broncos, uh, just he still loves the Broncos so much. Oh too, yeah, he's great. He still follows and he still he still comments on it and stuff like that. Yeah. If the I'll I'll I'll, I'll say it right here on the podcast right now. You can you can <laughs> mark this down. If the Bills go to the Super Bowl, I will buy a Von Miller Bills jersey. Maybe I will too. Maybe I'll just switch over to the Bills now. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have a team to at least. To root go for, for. Yeah. like I'm not, I'm not gonna be a Bills fan. Not what makes other when other players get traded to different teams. It kind of makes it fun to watch those other games now because you can relate to those players. You're like, oh, yeah. Now you're on this team. I, I still want to watch you though because I appreciate the fact that you're a badass. <laughs> yeah, well, it's still a, a guy that will undoubtedly be in our Ring of yeah. Fame one day and is like mm-hmm. an all-time great Bronco. You know, Emmanuel Sanders went to the Saints. I watch Saints games all the time. Yeah, I loved. Emmanuel Sanders is just such a good wide receiver. Oh, he's when he tiny too, so everyone always thinks he's gonna get fucked with. And, and he's, he's not a slot receiver either. He was a wideout. Oh, like yeah. he he would go deep and he'd lay out for all those passes. And <laughs> every time he got hit, people were like, "Oh, because he was so small, he'd just get destroyed." But he'd get right back up, yeah. and he's tough. I love that guy. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, I think we've said it all. Cool, dude. Um. I hate to spring this on you because <laughs> I've done this a few times to guests. I always end my episodes with a positive or motivational message from the guest. Nice. I usually like to let you know beforehand so you had a little bit more time to think about it, but right. unfortunately... That's okay. Put me on the spot. Put you on the spot, yeah. So it's a, a motivational... Positive message. or motivational message that maybe something that you've taken in your life or that you've used throughout your life. Just something that you like maybe live your life by or... Um, protect your heart, be careful who you trust, but above all, don't wait to do something until it's too late. Do it right now. 
because life is way too short. Absolutely. So get out there and get it done. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's perfect. That kind of encompasses the whole, everything we've talked about today, you know. Took me like 15 seconds to think that. Hey, it worked pretty good, man. (laughs) It works out perfectly. Perfect. Well, hey, um, Iconoclast Studios, check it out. If you're an artist that's looking to record, uh, I'll leave a link in the description. Sweet, thank you. So we'll have an easy access to that. Um, Show on? 28th, Saturday, Craft Local. Perfect. Go check that out. And anything else you want to plug? No. Just thanks, man. Appreciate it. Cheers again. Hey, cheers, brother. It was a blast. And for everybody out there, don't forget, life's a garden. Dig it. You've got to get back.